0: So Thursday when I came in to church, to the building today, or on Thursday, I came in and I immediately inspiration struck as I looked at the buffet table because there were all of these cards that were just very nicely you know, set out in really nice rows and just put right there and evidence of um, the gifting of the secretary who has organizational skills, of which I do not have. Um, and... <laughs> And I was like, ooh, I need to snap a picture of that. And she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, no, it's going to be my background slide for Sunday. Because I'm talking out of Romans 16. Because like all of these names that are just like tch, 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 out here, right? It's the same thing that's going on in Romans 16. If you, if you have a Bible, you should definitely turn over with me into Romans 16. If you don't have one with you, I bet there's one in the pew in front of you. Um, but we're going to spend a little bit of time in their day. And this is a strange passage. You might be kind of going like, okay, like it's a bunch of names, and it's a bunch of like say hi to this person and say hi to that person and don't forget to say hi to so-and-so, okay? And there's a guy named Rufus in here, which is also great too, okay? He's farther down. We'll get to him in a second. And, And the temptation might be, especially since Romans has all these really powerful, you know, I mean, like, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified freely through his grace boom, you know baptism we have all been united with Christ in his death and raised to life anew in baptism in Romans 6 boom you know you know what what a wretched man i am who will save me from this body of death but now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus for what the law was powerless to do in Christ the spirit has raised us anew you know Romans 7 and 8 whoa you know and then and so, therefore, in view of God's mercy, I ask you to offer yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your spiritual act of worship. There's all these, like, massive, like, theological bombs that, like, Paul just, he's just dropping, right? And then we get to the, say hi to Rufus for me. And you're like, great, well, okay, what? Are, we can skip this part. Don't skip this part. Don't skip this part. It's really important that we don't skip this part because this is where we actually see the outgrowth of everything that Paul has been talking about throughout that entire letter made real in the lives of people. There's real history here. There are real people here and there's real gospel here. And so I just want to walk through this with you real quick. Okay. Starting in verse 16. Or starting in chapter 16, verse 1. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church in in Sancria, which good job, way to go. Alright. Um, because I want to be like Chinchnia. I I don't know. Okay. And I really, really wish that there was somebody named Phoebe in the audience so that we could commend her today, but we don't I don't know that we have one. Do we have a Phoebe in the audience so that we can commend her? No. Okay, well, maybe next time. So I commend to you, our sister Phoebe, I ask that you receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and give her any help she may need from you, for she has been a great help that's actually a patron or a benefactor to many people, including myself. Greet Priscilla, or Prisca, and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They have risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets in their house. Greet my dear friend, Eponetus. Okay, I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna stop and go back for a second. Okay, first off, so Phoebe, the reason that he is commending her, that, just a little bit of history, right? The reason he's commending her is that she is the one who's actually bearing the letter from Paul to the Roman church, okay? And so you didn't really have a way to authenticate things a lot of times and so what you would do is you would write into the letter who was sending it and be like and this person's from me and i vouch for them and i vouch for this letter also probably the reason he's commending them to her uh, commending her to the church is because when she gets there she's probably going to need a place to stay and she's probably going to need a little bit of help you know and everything she's gonna she's gonna need hospitality and so he's saying, like, this is the person that I chose to send this, okay? And then what we actually find out about Phoebe is that she's listed as, and we would say this word is servant. It would also be deacon or deaconess. Okay, let's not get hung up on titles, okay? But at the same time, let's also get hung up on titles a little bit because Phoebe is not just Phoebe's not just like nobody in this, okay? If she is a benefactor or a patron, to a great many people, including me, says Paul. Phoebe's actually a fairly influential and wealthy person. You can't be a benefactor to many people. To be a benefactor meant a supporter, okay? So Paul isn't sending some nobody to do this. Paul is sending one of his most effective, most trusted people, who also happens to be a woman. Because that's exactly kind of how Paul views it. Sometimes we think of Paul as very, very patriarchal, and as we keep going through this list, you're gonna see this. But but Paul is actually way ahead of his time on how he views gender. Because he 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 just goes, Look, yes, we are we're diverse gender, but but all of us have been made one in Christ. That is the thing that unites us. And we'll continue to come back to that in a moment as well. But I just think it's I just think it's interesting that right off the lead, you have you have somebody that is important that society might have said is not important but paul says it's very important and he entrusts with this task of going very very far away going i mean like long travel little help few resources trusted person go i commend this person to you okay then you get to priscilla and aquila they they came from rome they were kicked out of rome uh, because they were jews Okay, and they were expelled, and that's how they met Paul, and they help him start his ministry. And Paul literally says, "Hey, they risked their neck for me, a lot for my well-being." And now they've come back to Rome, and they've actually started. They've actually, you know, they have a church that they're housing there, right? And so there's the, there's their story. And then you have like, Epon, like Epinetus. I think this guy's so amazing. Like, did you check this out? Greet my dear friend Epinetus who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Just wrap your head around that for a second, okay? I don't know if it's the first guy that Paul converted or if it literally is the first person in, like, that whole area, that whole region of Turkey and Syria and Jordan and, like, everything that would have been considered Asia Minor, okay? The first guy to receive Christ. And I don't even know if anybody knew this about Eponius. I mean, maybe he's like going incognito in the church and he's like, no, I'm just a guy, you know. And then Paul's like, hey, shout out to that guy who basically is the reason that we have churches in Asia, you know. He's like, oh, man, great. Everybody's going to be asking me questions about what it was like to be the first one, you know, or whatever. I don't know. But it's just it's just wrap your head around that. All these different stories coming together, all these different people. And he keeps going down the list. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for everyone. Greet Andronicus and Junius, my relatives, my kinsmen, fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. And then we keep going down. Greet Ampliatus, whom I love in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stachys. Greet Apelles, tested and approved for Christ. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my relative, my kinsman. Greet those who are in the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work so hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who works very hard in the Lord. Greet my buddy Rufus love that i would like to have known what rufus looked like because i imagine him as a very large man with mutton chops but (laughs) i i mean that's just me but 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 greet rufus chosen in the lord and then but if rufus was cool greet rufus's mom who's been like a mom to me too wow greet Asyncritus, phlejon hermes petrobus hermas i I really, really hope that Hermes and Hermas were, like, not related. Because can you imagine, like, being a parent and trying to remember whose name to yell when you're angry? Like, sometimes I call the kids by the dog's name when I'm upset and I need them to stop doing stuff. I could not imagine trying to differentiate between Hermes and Hermas. I wouldn't do it. Okay, and the brothers that are with them greet Philologius, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints with them. Greet one another with the kiss of God. All the churches of Christ send their greetings to you. Now, first off, you got to know this is the longest list of names that is not a genealogy. In the, this is like the longest mic, name-dropping thing in the entire New Testament. The only things that's longer is the genealogies in the Gospels and the genealogies in the Old Testament. So it's significant just the fact you got 26 names here. Okay. 26 distinct stories, 26 people that are so different, okay? And I mean, like, literally, there have been pages and pages of material of historical research that have been done on these folks. Okay, but what I want you to realize, first and foremost, is that that Paul is doing this for a couple of reasons, okay? I think, first off, just realize Paul has never been to the church At Rome he did not start the church at Rome he is not in he's not he's not like the pastor or or the the elder at the church of Rome and he needs the help of Rome because as he's writing this he's he is planning to kind of come through Rome and get some help and he wants to go out to Spain that's that's actually where he's heading okay and so he doesn't he doesn't know them they don't know him they may be a little skeptical of him but he needs their help and so he starts talking about all of these people and if you're and and, and if you're somebody in i mean so some of it is just name dropping but there's more to it than that because if you're sitting in the church in rome and you're wondering about who this guy is and why he has written us this ginormous letter that is really hard to understand in places and then is talking to us about how to have like good relationships with one another in light of the gospel and we're like how does he even know all this stuff about us you know and then all of a sudden he starts naming all these people and you start looking around the congregation you're like oh my goodness okay so Paul's never been to this church he didn't start this church he's not in charge of this church He he hasn't even visited this church but his influence is all over this church in Rome and I think about it, and I wonder, like, if you get all of us together here, okay, from all of our different places and all of our different spaces, how many fingerprints of how many people are a part of the, the, the spiritual DNA of this church? How many stories of faith how many faithful people, how many faithful grandparents and great-grandparents? See, like we don't think about our lives like that very often, do we? I mean, a lot of times I think we're just moving so fast that we don't really stop and consider all of the people who make us who we are. And yet we are in a great part who we are because of the people that have loved us. Especially the people who have loved us in the name of Jesus Christ. We are who we are because of them. And we continue to be, and, and so like, it, and and it doesn't really matter whether you've been a church, part of this church for a long time, or you like, kind of like are a kid that grew up attached to this church, or whether this is like your first time walking into this church, what I want you to realize is that you are walking into something that is so much bigger, so much greater, so much more beautiful than you might think and you're a part of it you're a part of it do you seek to follow Christ Jesus then the fingerprints of all of these people are now a part of your story and they will continue to be right like this is your I mean this is not a genealogy but it is and this is your genealogy and this is my genealogy at least part of it we're connected to these people in Christ even though they lived lives very very different than us thousands of years ago we're still connected to them they're still a part of us and we're a part of them but i also want us to see like in these in these people just the amount of i guess the amount of diversity would be good to see okay like i mean i already got on the i already got on the gender thing and i mean if you look through i mean there's there's a good seven women that are named here by name for their work Okay. And again, in a society that devalued women, like the church is light years ahead of that back here. Okay. We need to reclaim some of that. We're working at reclaiming some of that. I'm glad that we are having those conversations and continue to have those conversations as a church about what does it look like for us to be male and female in the Lord at the same time we're it says, hey, we we have all become we're all valued the same in Christ Jesus. We're all valued the same in Christ Jesus. And how are we continuing to push toward that? How are we continuing to make that manifest in our in, in in this place, in this time, in this body of people? But that's just the beginning. I mean, you have you have Jews and you have Gentiles, you have insiders and you have outsiders mentioned here. Okay? People that would traditionally have been considered the inner circle of the people that would receive the gospel of Jesus Christ and people that would have been considered, like, could have been considered second class. But they're not here. They are not. There are no inner, outer circle here. There's just people who have come together around the love of Jesus Christ. And there are, I mean, there. I can tell you right now, the name Urbanus, okay, that's a slave name. That is a name that would have been assigned to this person, okay, as an indenture, probably somebody that grew up in slavery, okay? And then you have, and then you have names like Aristobulus who are, who are like, you know, like aristocracy names, okay? It even starts with Aristo, which is like, it means noble, okay? (laughs) All right, so you have a slave and you have a noble and both of them are smashed together in this church, both working together, both a part of what's going on. You have different gifts. You have you have people that are labeled as apostles here. You have people that are labeled as deacons here, which I mean, the apostle means one who is kind of coming forward with the authority of Christ and representing him. The deacons being the ones that are coming in and like serving you know in in various ways originally as table servants is kind of the name that it means but 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 ministering to the nuts and bolts and the mechanics of what it means to to keep a church running and to keep it and and to keep God's body working you have people that are evangelists here that have gone out I mean Priscilla and Aquila they have gone out and and risked their neck and done amazing things and then Mary in here is no less amazing like Make sure and greet Mary for me because, man, she just helps everybody. You know that person, right? You know, they would say, oh, I don't do anything risky. I don't do anything crazy. I haven't gone out and done anything radical for Jesus. But you're like, no, 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 I love this person because they help everybody. They're like one of my go-to people because <laughs> they love me and they love everybody and they just help, right? Right? You know those people, right? There's so many different giftings here. It's such a wide picture that gets painted. And I think, that, I think the message we need to hear here is if we are all starting to look all the same in our race, in our gender, in our background, in our whatever, we're preaching the wrong gospel. Because that's not, I mean, that's not what this church looks like at all. And and really, like when you dig into it, that's not what most, (laughs) most of the churches that Paul writes to look like at all. That's part of the reason why they're messy is because they are figuring out what it looks like to come from all of these different places and spaces and be discipled by Jesus. And so if our church looks messy sometimes, that's okay. That's really, really okay. If it is because we are doing our best to embody Gospel that brings about a people that look like this, right? And I think, and and this is where I really, really see the heart of the gospel here. I really do. Turn over to Galatians chapter 3 with me. You can do the song in your head, right? First and Second Corinthians, Galatians and Ephesians. Yep. Okay. There you go. All right. All right, Galatians chapter three, starting in verse 26. You are all children of God through your faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. And now there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and you are heirs according to the promise of God. We know this gospel. We believe this gospel. Okay. Or at least I hope we do. But when you look over at Romans 16, you see this gospel with legs. You see it with hands. You see it with feet. You see it with a voice. You see it with a body. You see it actually getting up off the page and going out and doing stuff. And I think that's important because a lot of times we, we tend to reduce evangelism or or the spreading of the gospel or the being of the church. We reduce it to specialists. We I mean, we love to do this with Paul, right? I mean, he looks like an apostolic machine. Okay. The guy is a machine. He is here. He is there. He is everywhere. He gets shipwrecked. He's like, whatever, you know. Snake bite? Whatever. You know, I mean, like he just—he just keeps going, right? Like, and we're going. Oh my gosh, this guy's a machine. You know what Romans sixteen shows me? He's not a machine. He is not an entity in—in in and of himself at all. Look at how many times he uses the word "beloved" in this passage over in—in—in in, in, in Romans sixteen. These are people that he dearly, deeply loves and has been vulnerable with and has been intimate with in Christ. He talks about people that have, that have aided him. He talks about people that were in Christ before him. And when you talk about somebody that you love that was in Christ before you, you're talking about somebody that's mentored you in Christ. And he's like, oh, those, oh man, those. And, and, then, and, then you, and then you talk about Rufus's mom, right? How many of you have had spiritual mothers? Spiritual grandmothers and grandfathers, spiritual aunties and uncles, older brothers and older sisters. You know who I'm talking about, right? As soon as I start talking about that idea, you have names and you have faces that pop up into your head. You know, they talk about what were your earliest memories as a kid, right? And, and if I asked you the question, what are your earliest memories in regard to a church, especially for those of us that have, you know, especially for those of us that have grown up in a church? You got people that are associated with those early memories, right? You got people. I remember one of my earliest. Me- I remember one of my earliest memories is on Sunday night at a Sunday at a little Sunday night service, and I'm like three and a half, and I was being asked to lead a prayer. And of course, there's a podium like this, and we aren't cool, so we didn't get like a little stool like we have now, right? So I remember the preacher Marvin like getting behind me. And lifting me up by the armpits and holding me there for like two minutes so that I could pray. And I was like, way to go, preacher with upper body strength. Good job. But, but I mean, like, th- like those are the things, those are some of my earliest memories about church. We're, we're just feeling not just like I was part of a family, but, because, but that like I was doing stuff. And one of the things I love about our church is that that we are not viewing kids as you'll be doing something in the church someday when you grow up it's like no this is your church now you're involved now you know i mean dawson was doing the scripture reading and he was young enough kira was actually the one that was slated to do it but she's up camping with us right like i mean we were gonna get we're gonna get you know kira in here fifth grade to you know take care of that because we believe it's her church now right this may seem like kind of a strange sermon. Okay, because you're kind of going like, what, do I, what am I supposed to do with this? I mean, this is great information. I really love digging into this, and I really love what I'm seeing here. But Travis, like, what am I supposed to do with this? Here's the thing. Sometimes we need sermons just to say thank you. Sometimes we just need to say thank you. And when I when i looked at polo field last sunday cuz i mean that's what all these little cards are right these are these are thank you cards for people that helped out at polo field last sunday but see that's so much more those aren't just cards those are people and those aren't and, and they aren't they aren't cards to acts that were done they are cards to people that allowed christ to move through them okay and that's just the tip of the iceberg because I know that there were a lot of people that didn't have any sort of official capacity that I saw just like hopping in and helping. And there were other people that we asked to do things that were like, I would love to do that, but actually I'm bringing somebody with me on Sunday and I really wanna make sure that I am completely and totally focused on them and, and, and giving them my attention and welcoming, welcoming them in the way that Jesus has welcomed me, that, that I actually go break bread with them right? Like we were talking about last week. And I have so many snapshots in my head of watching this church be Jesus. And that's just from one Sunday. I cannot even begin to express the way that I have seen you be Jesus in the past year. Words do not do it justice. What I do know without a doubt is that you are my family in Christ Jesus. I've had the privilege of walking with you. We have had the privilege of walking with you through some of the most difficult if not the most difficult time in our life. I can't say that because I have no idea what's going to happen in the future. I can't imagine anything more difficult than this, but I'm afraid that if I start talking about that nothing could, then something will. So I'll just leave it at that. And I have had the privilege over the last almost seven years now of being able to do the same thing with you. You know, and and we're still walking, right? Right? You know, had a lot of conversations with you guys this week i mean we're we're still walking through stuff, but we're not done. We're not done, and we're going to keep walking and it's not just me that's had the i mean like there's nothing it, it I just need you to understand what a blessed man I am when i when I think about the relationships that I've had in church you know and with the people of God my whole life, but how blessed how richly blessed of a man I am to have you as a congregation and how richly blessed each of you is. I am no more blessed than you. If we we measure the worth of our lives, if we measure the worth of our lives, the way that Jesus seems to measure the worth of our lives through our connection to God, connection to one another and our connection to the world this is a rich church billionaires all and maybe the challenge that comes with that is to say what are we doing with the blessing that we have received right I mean like not to just sit here and be like oh isn't it so great you know but we need but we do need those we do need those Sundays where I just say thank you thank you for the way that you show me Jesus thank you for the way that you walk with me as we are all trying to be like Jesus as we are trying to know who he is to become more connected with him and one another and as we are all growing into ever you know ever greater in our discipleship Ever more full disciples. I see him in your strengths. I see him in your tears and in your weakness. I see him when you don't run from your problems. I see him when I see him when you don't try to turtle and do it all yourself, but you come in and you say, I need Jesus and I need his people. I cannot tell you how many conversations I have had recently with folks that say at this point in my life with the stuff that I'm dealing with and the cycles that I'm going through right now, I would be turning tail and running away. But I'm not going to do that this time. Because I'd be running away from my family. All right, that I just guarantee you if you're feeling singled out right now, when I said that. You have got to know how not singled out you are right now. Okay, you just got to know. Okay, like that pastoral confidentiality permits me to go no further. But you have got to know how not alone you are. We are the body of Christ. And when one part hurts, we all hurt. When one part rejoices, we all rejoice. And together we grow into all things who is the head, Christ, right? And I am thankful to be with you on this journey. We get to be reminded of that right now as we move toward the table. And I'll go ahead and ask the worship team to come up and I'll ask our servers to come up as well. We do this every Sunday. And I am always surprised at how not ordinary it is. Yeah, I mean, it, is, it seems like you do something, if you just do something week after week, it would be so easy for it to just become rote. You're like, yes, I, you know, it's the body of Christ for me. It's the blood of Christ for me. Cool. I got to get to lunch or whatever it is that's on my schedule for the rest of the day. I am always shocked at how much I need this in the moment. I am always shocked at how much I need this in the moment. This is not, we do not come to the table to say, we do, we do not come to the table out of our own strength. We do not come to Jesus out of our own strength to say, you know, all right, God, I really screwed up this week, but I'm gonna try harder next week. Okay, because that's not what this is about. Okay, this is this is not about you making promises to God so that you're worthy enough to take in his body and his blood, you know that, right? I hope you know that. I hope you hear that. It is you coming and receiving what he has freely given you. Just the way you are right now. You may, you, I mean, you may, you may have this big disconnect with feeling like you have been declared God's ally from the sky, but you are his enemy on the ground. Okay. Like I get that. I've been there. Okay. Okay. And so, and so we need this. But I want, I want you to come to the table today and I want you to just relish the blessings that God has freely poured out on you, especially the ones that are in the seats right next to you. Especially the ones that are in the seats right next to you, in front of you and behind you. And if you need to turn around and take some communion with somebody today, this is the day to do it, man. You know, especially the people that are around you that you don't even know. The strangers that you will break bread with and see Jesus in right now, right here. Those are great blessings. Sometimes the gospel has been the most powerful for me. Not when it came off the page of the Bible. Or when it came in in the lyrics of a song. But when it came with skin on in the form of another person. And when we come to the table, we remember that the gospel and the spirit of God is moving among us. So as we take in the body, let us remember that we are the body. And as we take in the blood, let's remember that we are all born up by the blood of Jesus. We come as paupers, we bring nothing, we walk away as heirs, we have everything. And that levels the playing field. Doesn't matter what your gender is, doesn't matter what your race is, doesn't matter what your background is, doesn't matter how well or how poorly you're doing this week. For all are now one in Christ Jesus. Let's partake and let's celebrate together at the table. Amen. I love you